Ring around a rosy, pocket full of posy. Ashes, ashes, we all fall down. I'm Holly. I'm Leslie. And we would be dead. We would be dead. wine bottles behind you. Oh, girl. It's vodka tonic tonight. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I have a Pinot Noir. Oh, you're a fancy lady tonight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it because we're going to like foreign countries and talking about history? Absolutely. I love that. Um, oh, we did not review our format before we started. Oh, so. no. So here we go. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> well, either way, I figured you would start. Yeah, I got a bunch of stuff. We're good. Yeah. So, uh, okay. To review, uh, our Facebook Live happens every Friday. We spend quarantine to 10 p.m. And the audio for the live episodes is available with our usual podcasts. And also, the video doesn't disappear, so you can watch it whenever you like. And we had so much fun doing it again this week. Yeah, we did. It was really fun. There were some technical difficulties, but we totally got through them, and everyone was so fun. I know. I'm feeling pretty pretty good about the next one, our third one. Same. Yeah. Will said our technical difficulties have been resolved, and we should be smooth next week. Yeah. So that'll be good. Fingers crossed. And anybody (laughs) was, everybody, sorry, was pretty understanding anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Everyone stuck with us. We're all one big happy family. Love it. (laughs) They did indeed. (laughs) Uh, It's really, really fun live. We love having all of our listeners to talk with in real time when we're telling stories because that's a treat we don't usually get. Uh, And so thank you to everybody who listened and to my husband, Will, for figuring out how to broadcast us (laughs) in these (laughs) bananas times. Thank you, Will. Yay. I love the live episodes. And I think even once the pandemic is over, that... We'll probably try and do them here and there anyway, just because they're fun. Yeah. But we'll be like in the same place around an actual fire. Be so nice. I know. I hate being in separate (laughs) places. It sucks. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to move on to some of our shout outs this week because we got a few reviews, which I love so much. Thanks to Beverly, Michaela, and Dory for some awesome reviews. And uh, Michaela is responsible for a lot of the really fun art you can see in our Facebook group. Yes. Thank you so much, Michaela. It's been great. Love it. And we definitely want to pay you for some of it in the future for some merchandise. Yes. One day we'll pay you, I swear. I know. We're getting there. (laughs) Everything takes such a stupid long time. But if you're not in our Facebook group, please join it. It's super fun. Everybody is really nice and they have interesting and fun things to say. Yes. And we have like nothing else going on right now. So talk to people who listen to the podcast and have a good time. Make new friends. And if you want to hear your name on the podcast, please, please, please leave us a review wherever you listen. We have been stuck on 20 Apple podcast reviews for a really long time, and I just really want to see that number move. Yeah, I know. Me too. (laughs) I just love reading about me. (laughs) We really need validation because we're we're all stuck at our house and sad right now. (laughs) I just want to know it's 
it's worth it. <laughs> I just want to know we're succeeding. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that was our sad plea for reviews. If you like what we're doing over here, please, please help us out and spread the word. And even if you don't want to type like a review with words, you can just rate us. You can just give us mm-hmm. five stars, hopefully. Yeah. On Apple Podcasts or I wherever you listen. I think that's the only amount you can give. Yeah, it's Fiverr or nothing, and nothing is not an option either, so <laughs> five mm. stars. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Why wouldn't you anyway? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So this week we thought we'd keep it pretty topical. topical. Mm. I'm doing great. Apply it to the skin. <laughs> and talk about his story. <laughs> Apply it to the skin. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> talk about historic plagues and pandemics because as crazy and awful as it might seem right now it uh could always be worse for sure and it has been we uh would not be able to communicate over the internet or watch tiger king and we might be relying on grown-ass men who beat themselves up in the town square to get us out of this mess what yeah if this was back (laughs) a long time ago which would be way worse but we'll get into that a little bit later so do you want me to start or would you like to begin? Um, no, I think you should go because I think your story kind of takes a lot of... It's the biggest. Yeah. Yours is the first, but mine is the biggest. Yeah. So we'll start with yours and then we'll go back to the beginning of time. Works for me. Okay. So we begin with the most famous and punk rock of all pandemics, a disease so well known that we don't even need to give it a super descriptive name. (laughs) The plague. Hardcore. Seriously. (laughs) I'm going to give us a little history of the plague in general and tell you the super gross things it does to a human body. Um, But we will be specifically focusing on an outbreak of the plague called the Black Death. Yes. (laughs) No other illness could possibly hope to be more metal than this one. No. (laughs) Uh, It is extremely virulent. The bacteria can be airborne and it can kill a human in two to ten days. Hmm. Yeah, the plague is nuts. Plague infections can cause a host of horrible symptoms, but most notable are the giant black boils that give it its don't fuck with me moniker. The good news on this one is that it is a bacterial infection and modern medicine knows what to do with those. So even if you manage to catch the black plague and... And you still can if you really want to. Your chances of dying are far more slim. Well, that sounds great. Good (laughs) news. Yeah. Do you know where you can catch that? Are you asking or do you also know? No, I don't know. I was just wondering. You can catch it anywhere. There are people in the United... There are like several cases in the United States every year still of the plague. Okay. Yeah, it's mostly in third world countries that they have like a decent amount of cases, like any kind of remarkable amount of cases, but the United States still does have, you know, a handful of people that get it every year. We just can treat them. So it's it's not as disastrous as it once was. It shocks me that it's not noteworthy. That's a nuts medieval disease. If somebody gets it, like put it on the news. Yeah. I know. Yeah, that would that would be great. <laughs> there was an episode of House where somebody had the plague. It was amazing. Hmm. So anyway. Well yeah, tell me how it started. Tell me about it, Holly. I will. First, it's important to note that there are three types or stages of the plague, bubonic, pneumonic, and septicemic. But we're talking about the bubonic plague because it's the most famous and the ugliest. Yay, ugly. (laughs) However, the other two are actually more dangerous. The bubonic plague is so-called because of the presence of buboes, the nasty necrotic boils it blesses its victims with. (laughs) 
Yeah, they're so gross. We'll get more into them later. Pneumonic plague takes up residence in your respiratory system. You can tell because it kind of sounds like pneumonia, specifically your lungs. And septicemic plague is the stage where the bacteria has reached your bloodstream. And once it's in your blood, survival is far less likely. It does. Forget about it. Seriously, it does make really nasty, scary things at that point. The plague is just a really catchy and highly biblical name for the Yersinia pestis bacterium. Named after Alexander Yersin, who discovered its presence in 1894. Oof, 1984. That would have been brutal. No. (laughs) (laughs) It was the thing until the 80s. Yeah. Just kidding. 1894. Yersinia pestis is an extraordinarily, this is a quotation, sorry, a quote, extraordinarily virulent rod-shaped bacterium that disables the immune system of its host by injecting toxins into defense cells such as macrophages macrophages, sorry, that are tasked with detecting bacterial infections. Once those cells are knocked out, the bacteria can multiply unhindered, unquote. So basically, this nasty little bug gets in, turns off all the lights, and starts looting. (laughs) I like that. That was good. Yeah. So you can see it in your head as like burglars in the dark. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot cuter that way. Terrifying. (laughs) It's terrifying. Worse when it's real. So what happens when you get it? Tell me. A lot of gross stuff happens. It begins with flu-like systems, which we are all familiar with right now, including headache, vomiting, muscle aches, and fever, a fever which will get increasingly higher. After this phase sets in, you can tell you don't just have your average flu by the presence of the buboes. Now, buboes are inflamed lymph nodes. The bacteria takes up residence in your lymph nodes, which are like little pockets of immune system cells that live in your body. They're mostly in your armpits, armpits, neck, and groin. You know how sometimes like when you have a cold, they say, oh, I have swollen glands. Yeah. It's like those. I have a a swollen lymph node. Oh my God. I hope it's not the plague. (laughs) No, I I always have it. Okay. It's like, I it's just constant. I had some kind of virus when I was a little kid that made all of my lymph nodes well. Oh, yeah. It was super scary, but it was not the plague. Or maybe it was and they just didn't tell me. Maybe I had the plague. Who knows? That'd be terrible. At this point, because I'm so far over it, it would be kind of amazing. But no, <laughs> I did it. It's, it was very different. Anyway... When you have the plague, these little pockets will start to hurt and swell as the bacteria makes camp there. The swelling will get profound and a large lump will form. This lump is just teeming with infection at this point. It's where all the bacteria has taken up residence. Eventually, the bubo will either rupture or turn necrotic. If it ruptures, that's really gross. But good news, you will likely survive. So if it explodes, you're going to be okay, probably. That's awesome. Isn't it though? However, if it fails to rupture, it will turn black and begin to rot. Yeah, this is bad news for you. This means the bacteria has failed to exit these little pockets and hitches a ride into your bloodstream so it can wreak havoc elsewhere. This results in gangrene or rotting of the extremities such as fingers, toes, lips, and the tip of your nose. And uh, bruising all over your body accompanies all this like trauma, all these welts that you're getting and all this stuff. Obviously, you're going to bruise. So victims will basically turn black. Hence the black plague. There it is. There it is. Oh, and you vomit blood. Oh, that's a nice one just to add at the end. Yeah. Doesn't really fit into the other like categories, but it still happens. It's gross. Medieval levels of gross and a terrifying way to go. Even more terrifying is the prospect of watching this happen to millions of people at once. But that was plague life, which is a hashtag waiting to happen. Hashtag plague life. Oh my gosh. So how did this happen? How could one illness escalate so quickly? Rats and ships. Yep. In a word. 
Before it was the Black Death, the bubonic plague began as the Plague of Justinian, named after Emperor Justinian, which I feel like is an old-timey Justin. <laughs> right? Yeah, just a really oh, fancy Justinian. <laughs> so if your name is Justin, feel free to go by that. Yeah. We support it. And it's like a little bit hilarious. It is estimated that the Plague of Justinian killed nearly 25 million people beginning in 541 AD, with consistent reoccurrences until 750 BC. It began in the Byzantine Empire and spread to all the port cities on the Mediterranean Sea through fleas living on rats. Rats would get on merchant ships and depart with them in each, and depart with them in each city, and the fleas would be on the rats. And they would spread the bacteria as they went around. Like the ship would dock, the rats would get off, the fleas would bite people, people would have the plague. And this happened all over the place. Subsequently, once people have it, it can um, be transmitted through like person-to-person contact. It even becomes airborne at one point. The most documented symptom of the plague of Justinian was necrosis of the hand. Aww. Yeah, like illustration, like so gross. <laughs> Leslie's making like a little claw hand right now. Lady fingers. Lady fingers. Your lady fingers would fall right off. <laughs> a lot of it, like uh, artwork and illustrations from it, show like the the raw, the black hand. So gross. So we know it got really bad because as I mentioned before, it doesn't turn to necrosis in your extremities until it gets pretty far along. Medical geneticists claim that this plague actually began in China around 100 AD and has been carried to the Mediterranean by rats who hitched a ride on grain ships from Egypt. So we are actually still tracing this plague back and back and back and back and back and back. It's been around for, we don't even know how long at this point. However, it's always rats and ships. Apparently, the plague began in the Oriental rat flea, which makes sense. And from one tiny little pest, it spread everywhere. That sounds like a good band name. Oriental rat flea? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of music would that band play? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, I think it'd be pretty heavy. Or really classical. Traditional Chinese hard rock. Yeah. I get, well, I mean, I feel like heavy metal and classical music are like about the same. So I'm going to, I'm going to say classical. Okay. It'd be really beautiful, like unnerving, like classical, but kind of unnerving sounding. I would love to hear the music of Oriental Rat Play. They sound fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) However, after 750 AD, the plague went silent for a while before it returned with a mighty vengeance as the Black Death. Yes, hardcore. Doesn't that sound like that? Yeah. (laughs) Which began in around 1347. I always say around because these dates are almost always the same, but we we don't have hard evidence. Yeah, yeah. So it's just everyone's best guess. And killed nearly a third of the population of Europe, Mm. which is crazy. It is believed the Black Death period of the bubonic plague originated in Mongolia. The Black Death had decimated the army of Kipchak Kanjaniburg. Sorry if I mispronounced that. While besieging the port of Katha, with his forces disintegrating, because his army all had the plague, Janberg began catapulting the bodies of those who had perished from the plague into Katha, thus weaponizing the bacteria. So he figured he would just kill his enemies with the same thing that killed his troops. He would still use them even in death. Yeah, I mean... If it's coming for him, it's coming for everybody. Yeah, he's just all about watching the world burn at that point. <laughs> yeah. Katha is a major, uh, like, merchant-type port. They export a lot of things, and all the merchant ships then carried the rats with the fleas, with the plague, all over the world. 
port by port, ship by ship, rat by rat. So I was one a-hole that had a (laughs) catapult body. (laughs) But it sounded so fun. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. It's better than just like everybody coughed. Yeah. (laughs) Oh no, there was some crazy shit. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a kind of technique, I would think. I mean, I guess. Most of the images we have of the Black Death come from London at the time of the plague. That's where, like, the art and the legend type stuff we hear usually comes from. Yes, there really were so many victims dying so fast that there was a cry of, bring out your dead, at the end of every day so the bodies could be disposed of en masse. Yeah. It's not just like a Monty Python thing. That's a real life thing. Yeah. Treatment was scant and ineffective, mostly utilizing bleeding and tinctures made from alcohol, opiates, and herbs. At the time, miasma, or odors, were blamed for the spread of pretty much all diseases. So people thought that, like, smells, things went into your noses if you smelled them, and that's what got you sick. So they sought to protect themselves by smelling something strong and different. So people would carry around, like, a little pouch of herbs or flowers soaked, or flowers or rags soaked in essential oils or vinegar. They would hold them mm-hmm. over their mouth because they thought that would prevent them from getting sick. And that's a uh, habit that went through until Victorian times. People still did that then. It was pretty widely believed. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I know. I would have been thriving during the You would have been. You would have been very successful. (laughs) I could have made you the little pendants that you're supposed to put the little smelly thing in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We would have been so rich. I have so many of those. People give them to me all the time. (laughs) I've never seen you wear one. No. You must treasure them. It's Yeah. You're just hanging around my room. (laughs) (laughs) So how on earth was this nightmare treated? They had to be doing something other than, you know, giving them (laughs) something to drink and then bleeding them. Enter the plague doctor. Plague doctors are my favorite. I've talked about Mm -hmm. them on our Facebook page before. Their fashion sense is killer. Yes. I love it. (laughs) And uh, one of them is the mascot for the Mutter Museum. My favorite place on earth. Go to the Mutter Museum. Give them your money. Well, don't go right now. Not today, obviously. You can't. They're closed. (laughs) Go another time. Most medical professionals uh, at the time of the plague began to refuse treatment of plague cases because being in contact with these patients was seen as extremely dangerous and there wasn't much they could do for them anyway. So doctors were bowing out. They were like, sorry, you got to die. And bleeding and herbs didn't seem to be doing much. So plague doctors were hired by whole towns. So your town would fund or commission this doctor to come in. And they were supposed to be physicians or surgeons. But a lot of them were just hastily trained volunteers. Mm -hmm. They were just people because it was, it paid well. And they were like, oh, I could do that. Mm. It wasn't really a whole lot of medicine behind it anyway. They were just poking people, which we'll get to. Plague doctors dressed, uh, because they, I have to say, they were, before I get to that, and they were paid to treat all victims. So they treated rich people, poor people, nobility, royalty. It didn't matter. Everybody got the same guy coming in and poking him with a stick. Right. Plague doctors dressed head to floor in heavy waxed fabric overcoats. They wore a large mask with glass eyes and a long beak-like protrusion in the front, which was filled with herbs and oil-soaked rags so that they could breathe that in while they were seeing their patients. And they were topped with a hat. They carried a long cane, which what they used to make their only contact with patients. They only touched them with a stick. 
<laughs> What's better is they didn't wear gloves. Yeah, out of all of that covering, and then they just didn't wear gloves. And they didn't wear gloves because they were like, we'll just poke you with this. That's fine. Yeah. It's crazy to me. Like, gloves are the first thing we think of nowadays, but nope, they didn't wear them at all. They looked like terrifying crow monsters. It's awesome. <laughs> They couldn't do much beyond lancing boils and bloodletting with leeches from a distance, but they would diagnose cases and the city just kind of felt like they were being taken care of, even if it was by a terrifying bird monster who poked them with a stick. Yes. Something was better than nothing. I feel like that wax suit should have been pretty heavy too, don't you? It was very hot too. Oh, yeah. Huh. It lasted for over a year, so some of it had to be in the summer, which would have been like just stinking hot and awful. Wow. They must have been in great shape. Or like (laughs) having heat exhaustion all the time and passing out. (laughs) They're just just always passing out. (laughs) I mean, if it was like 85 degrees and you had on a lined raincoat that was hooded and went to the floor, also a mask, and your whole like eyes and face was covered, we would be dead. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We would at least be passing out all the time. My second favorite form of plague treatment were flagellates. These guys are kind of hilarious. I said that they um, believed it came from miasma, but another way they believed the plague was transmitted was through your eyes. Like if you looked at someone, the spirit of it would come out and get you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is so, so strange. I know, but they were, they were really religious, so. Well, that's where we're getting. Yeah. The portion of the public who didn't believe that the plague would like seep out of your BO and your eyeballs believed that the plague was the wrath of God, mm-hmm. which biblically makes sense, and that the only way they could rid the world of it was penance. But since everyone was managing their sick and dying, and it was pretty terrifying to leave the house, a group of men called flagellates volunteered their services to save the world through beating the shit out of themselves in front of an audience. Ooh. Yeah, good times. Fight club. That's right. These guys thought that they were taking on the required penance for anybody who sat and watched them do this. Mm. So they would travel from town to town. They would gather in a town square. People would gather around and watch or watch from their windows or whatever, and they would self-flagellate or whip themselves until they were bloody and injured. And they would do this in the same place for like three or four days in a row. I don't even know how they survived. And then they would travel to the next crowd and do it again. I guess entertainment came at a premium in those days. Oh. <laughs> Aren't we glad we could just watch the Backstreet Boys sing in their pajama pants instead? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. You have to. I saved the video, I know, tomorrow. It brought back my faith in humanity for a minute. Okay, I'll watch it. You definitely have to. Is that just straight vodka? Mm-mm. <laughs> There's tonic in there. Mm-hmm. And ice cubes. Last time it was straight vodka because Will thought he was going to make me a martini, but it was just cold vodka. Mm. <laughs> Isn't that what a martini is? <laughs> I need a little olive juice. I know. I like them a little. You like a dirty martini. Get out of here. I do. I do. I just. That's what it was supposed to be. <laughs> I just wanted to sound like Lucille Bluth. Oh, okay. <laughs> I will 100% age into Lucille Bluth one day. Yeah. It's coming for me. That is the dream. <laughs> <laughs> we all want to be like Moira Rose and her combined. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that is, my mother is Moira Rose and kind Lucille of. Bluth. So there's a good chance I have that coming for me. <laughs> Your mom is a little less Moira Rose. I can't see her like wearing a host of wigs. No, no, she wouldn't do that. She's a little more natural, but she gets her. <laughs> oh, it's good that she doesn't listen. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, she'd agree. She'd be like, mm-hmm, yep. I love that. My parents listen now. They told me this week that they decided to. Oh, hey, mom and dad. Yeah. Hi, Birches. <laughs> Whenever you get to this one. So eventually the world caught on to the fact that the plague was coming in on ships. And people began to stay in their homes. And sailors would have to stay aboard their ships for 40 days, which is where the word quarantine comes from. Oh, there it is. Because 40. Mm-hmm. Before they could venture out onto land. And this early form of what we call social distancing stemmed the flow of cases and eventually the plague stopped burning through the cities at a furious rate. Around 1351, plague cases had dwindled down to the few and manageable. It did, however, make several comebacks afterwards, notably in the late 19th century when it claimed more than 100,000 lives. The last major outbreak in the United States was in 1924. Oh, yeah. I knew that. I did not realize it was that recent. Mm -hmm. I mean, there aren't astronomical numbers on it, but that's the last notable outbreak. The advent of streptomycin, which is also our tuberculosis antibiotic that we talked about during uh, Carl's Hansler. The advent of streptomycin in in 1943 rendered the the plague far more treatable. So once you have an antibiotic, they can... They can pretty much take care of it. The plague is still present in many third world countries and even right here in the United States. While it is incredibly rare, plague cases still show up yearly. Thankfully, they are far less likely to result in death given that modern medicine no longer relies on flowers and bird people. Maybe it should though. I Yeah, I mean. The bird people. I'd like to keep my business open. <laughs> <laughs> I I want your business to stay open, but I don't want you to try and treat the plague. How about that? <laughs> yeah, but. I feel like it's my civic duty now. Okay. How about you just, like, help them feel a little nicer? Sure, but can I wear the mask? Yes. You can wear the whole outfit. That's all I want. I mean, I might not do the wax coat. That sounds very uncomfortable. Yeah, and I I sweat a lot. Then you're going to have to modify it. Yeah. Make it like a dress with the mask. Yeah, that would be so cute. Make it cute. (sighs) I like it. Yeah, it's going to be real cute. You can do that. Just don't tell people that you um, are better than antibiotics and we're good. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't want to put those people down, but, you know, (laughs) if they want to stuff themselves with antibiotics and have IBS later, whatever. (laughs) Get out of here. If you have the plague, please, please take your antibiotics. And then let Leslie make you smell delightful because you probably don't right now. Yeah. Perfect. And she'll make your skin beautiful. And take your probiotics. Yeah. (laughs) Always. So, uh, yeah, that's what I have on the plague, on the Black Death. Great. Well, I have a fun fact for your 1347 date. Give me it. Okay. So, in what happened in 1347? Is that when the plague was, like, bigger? This is when it started. When it started? Okay. That's when the Black Death began. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So in 1347, on May 20th, Cola di Rienzo, a Roman commoner, declared himself emperor of Rome in front of a huge crowd in response to what had been several years of power struggles among the upper class barony. So he was just like, I win. Yeah. He was just like, what I said. Yeah. (laughs) You guys can figure it out. So I'm just going to step in here. Okay. And I said it to a big crowd, so you all saw it. Whoops. So so I loved it. And then soon, it wasn't that long after, but the Pope um, at the time, he and like several other like upper class, like Roman nobility, they united to drive him out of the city. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, they were like, you didn't just say, you got to go. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's a good one. Yeah. Good fun fact. Thank you. Do you have a plague for us now? I do. I do. Okay. So mine is what they believe to be one of the first plagues. Yeah. I read this was the first one. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they could say that, but. I know the dates are all like pretty speculative, but. Yeah. But we're going to say it is. Yeah. So. Number one. So this is um, the plague of Athens. And I'm Greek, so I feel pretty uh, close to this one. Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) Have some olives. Talk about the plague. Yeah. So Athens and Sparta were in the second year of the Peloponnesian War, which was in uh, 430 BC. Um, That's when the plague hit. So at this time, the Athenians uh, felt like they were going to win this war. But again, that was... They were were killing killing it. it. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) The disease would return a couple more times. It would re- it would return in 429 BC and in the winter of 427 to 426 BC. So this was going to last for about four years. The city-state of Athens would be hit the hardest with the disease, uh, but the plague would also reach the city-state of Sparta and much of the eastern Mediterranean. It was reported that approximately a third of the Athenian population would be killed by this disease. It's always a third. I know. I know. <laughs> it's the third in the Black Death, and then later it's the it's a third of the city's population in yellow fever. It's a third. Yeah. Well, I think that's around the time when people start to become immune to it, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then so overall, so that was just the Athenian population. So overall, mm-hmm. it would probably kill about 100,000 people. Um, so in that area, that was... That was a lot of people at the time. So just the Athens, there was only about maybe two to 300,000 people living there. So Oh, all right. So the origin, um, the origin of the epidemic occurred in sub-Sahara Africa, just south of Ethiopia. The disease swept north and west through Egypt and Libya across the Mediterranean Sea into Persia and Greece. So the plague entered Athens through a city port. Rats and ships. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it always gets in. So because the war was going on, th- this poor guy. <laughs> All right. Aww. There was an Athenian leader. His name was Pericles. Okay. He was a super strong leader, and um, he thought that because the Athenians' main strength was their navy, since they were on the water, and Sparta's strength was more inland, so they had a strong army, he decided uh, to keep all of his, all the citizens and a large portion of his army like back in the city and then just use all of his boats to kind of wreak havoc on his enemies' coasts and shipping. And that would kind of maybe take out some of the Spartan army that he was afraid might beat them on the land. Oh, so many ships. So many ships, yeah. Stressful. <laughs> So at this time, the ships were coming over and uh, from, from Africa, and they obviously brought this disease with them. So they headed into Athens, and one of the people that brought the, that brought the disease with them from that port into the city of Athens, which is now filled with a ton of people. It has people that were living near the water that were like, we're going to get out of like harm's way and we're going to go into the city. Ugh. Like they're going to, the, the empires are going to protect us. We're going to get behind these walls. Like, Stay home. Yeah. They are just stuffing themselves in there. So one of the people that brought it back over from the port was this leader, Pericles. <laughs> oh. Um, but there was a lot of other people that brought it through, so it was just ravaging. Like, it kind of reminds me of how 
um, like what's kind of happening in New York City. It's just so close. So the disease is just like spreading so fast. Was this a like a fleas on rats situation or was this a person to person? Most of the food in the port and the city was going bad as well. And so then and also the citizens and soldiers were just dying. So they they were burning a lot of people in the city. And so Spart- I thought this was kind of funny. Spart- Sparta would see this like you know, they're on the ground just waiting for like what they should be doing if they're going to attack or not. And then they're just seeing a lot of fire and all this other stuff and realizing there's this like disease happening and some of their people are getting sick. So they're aware that there is this like, oh no, something's going on. So they're like, we don't want to get it. So they're just like, we're going to retreat. We'll just come back another day. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. So Athens general Thucydides um, he kept a detailed amount of the disease over the next four years. This guy was pretty awesome. He was considered a historian and the father of scientific history because his accounts would be based on impartial evidence gathering rather than reference to interventions from deities. So obviously in Greece, a lot of people believed in the Greek gods and they would think a lot was coming from them, just like even with the Black Plague. Right. But he was just trying to be, like, evidence-based, just, like, what is actually happening. Good for him. Yeah. That guy's rad. So Thucydides actually caught the disease but survived, so his accounts of the symptoms are pretty accurate, they feel like. Got it. According to Thucydides, the illness began by showing symptoms in the head as it worked its way through the rest of the body. He is also described... Uh, in detail, the symptoms victims of the plague experience. There was fever, redness, and inflammation in the eyes, sore throats leading to bleeding and bad breath, Ugh. sneezing, loss of voice, coughing, vomiting, pustules and ulcers on the body, mm. extreme thirst, insomnia, and diarrhea. Gross. Yeah. The fever was so intense, many preferred to be naked. I mean, whatever. I know, they're just so hot. Take off your toga. <laughs> And most of them just wished to be submerged in cold water for, like, as long as they could because they were just, like, burning up. Oh, God. That's horrible. Um, He observed that the illness were, or that the ill were tormented by an unceasing thirst, which was not, like, they couldn't drink enough water. Mm. Um, Many of the sick found it difficult to sleep, and many sufferers died within seven to nine days of the onset of symptoms. Yikes. So those who survived the full run of the illness often suffered from disfigurement of their genitals, fingers, and toes, um, some which they would end up losing. Yeah. There was blindness and memory loss, probably from the fever. A lot of times they wouldn't even remember who they were afterwards. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I guess that could be from like fever. A high enough fever will give you brain damage. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely from the fever. Thucydides noticed that in some instances... Birds and other animals, which usually fed on human flesh, were repulsed by the diseased bodies, and they would even die from consuming, um, by because of consuming them. Oh yeah, a lot of uh, plagues are also like affect animals as well. Yeah, so that's like not always the case, but and this was one of those ones that could be transferred from human to birds, right? Or human to animals. Yikes. So. Since Thucydides was not in the medical field, he had no thoughts about what it could really be. And because this was during the, during a war, there were some Athenians that suggested maybe the water was poisoned by like the armies, by their enemies, because they were just shocked that people that, you know, the same people that weren't healthy were getting sick. And so were the people that were like in extremely good health were just dying out of nowhere. I mean, I guess it could have been 
transmitted in water, but it probably wasn't poison. Yeah, but they were just like, we're being poisoned. Why would our healthy young men die like this? You know? That's scary. Okay. Yeah. But based on um, Thucydides' notes and the fact that many of the doctors, um, so there were a lot of doctors around that were trying to treat this illness, but they were also getting sick, um, obviously, and dying. So a lot of the scholars, um, after reading all of these notes, they could tell that it was another like contagious disease and not a poison. Got it. Originally, scholars believe that this plague was maybe another like bubonic plague. Just maybe a f- original form. Yeah, it's similar. Mm-hmm. A lot of the symptoms are similar. However, over you know twenty five hundred years and research and testing and other like a bunch of other ideas arose, including typhus, smallpox, measles, and toxic shock syndrome. <laughs> I know, <laughs> like from tampons. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was like. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And since Thucydides mentions that the disease seems to have come from Africa, some scholars also believe that it could be Ebola or um, some, like another, like a viral um, hemorrhagic fever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Because we're only relying on like Thucydides' details, it's really hard. Like they just haven't been able to figure out exactly what it is. Um, There are still people, like still scientists that are like trying to research this. They've actually been able to like dig up certain bodies and take DNA. I don't blame them. I want to know. The Black Plague is the same way. They've, They've traced it back to like really, really, like I said, 180 AD bodies they found from. Yeah. Jesus, who knows where they found that. Mm-hmm. Not Jesus, because it was AD. (laughs) Yeah. So, and then one of the things that they were thinking too is like, maybe it's not just a, like one of these viruses, or maybe it could have been something smaller, but because everybody in Athens were just packed so closely, there was probably an influx of lice, rats, insects, like a bunch of waste that could have just been causing a bunch of other diseases to happen. Rats and ships, man. Yeah. And that's why it just kept coming back for a couple years after that. But it probably dispersed because so many of them were dying. Yeah. Because they weren't really, it doesn't say any anywhere here where they were like trying to social distance or anything like that. I mean, a war was still going on too. A lot of times plagues like that stop wars in their track. Yeah. Because they can't. They're like, we're done now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even this war was a little interesting because it was, Athens was like the big, they were the one running the show, but Sparta had its own area and they wanted to like, I think Sparta wanted to make nice with Athens, but Athens was like, nope, we still want to be in control of everything. So, Oh, and then they got a plague. Then they got a plague. Mm-hmm. Yikes. No wonder they thought they were being poisoned. I know. So there was a lot of um, social implications that happened after this plague. So obviously Athens was, at the time, going through its golden age. So this would be like the end of their golden age. Okay. Thucydides accounts clear details um, about the disappearance of social morals. A lot of people stopped fearing the law. Um, They felt they were already living under a death sentence, so they were just like, fuck it. Let's just go for it. Everything's chaos, right? Yeah. God, I hope that doesn't happen. (laughs) I know. I'm afraid of that. (laughs) Everyone started spending their money like no other. On toilet paper. Yeah. Uh, Many felt that they would not live long enough to enjoy the fruits of their wise investments. And a bunch of the poor people actually became unexpectedly wealthy because a lot of their relatives would die and they all had land. So they would just acquire all this land. (laughs) 
Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. The Black Death was mostly peasants, so there wasn't a lot of fun to be had, I suppose. Oh, yeah. I mean, it hit nobility, too, but, like, that's funny. I didn't see the same sort of result. Yeah. And it's probably because some of the poor people, like, lived out further, so they might not have, like, been in the city. The plague also changed the role of women in um, Athenian society. The women were temporarily liberated from the strict bounds of Athenian customs, and the plague forced Athenians to appoint a magistrate called... I'm going to screw this up so bad. Just spell it out if you're afraid of it. That's what I always do when you're done. (laughs) Gyna Conum... Gynaconomous. It's something like that. Yeah. So, gynaconomous. Yeah. That sounds like the queen of vaginas. I know. Well, but I think it sounds like a a feminine title, but I'm pretty sure that this was a male. Oh. Yeah. And they would control behavior of women because women were just like, whatever, I'm going to do what I want while I'm out there. (laughs) They were just going wild. So, they had to like wrangle them in. God, that's not something that stopped happening for a lot of years. Yeah. No, yeah, that kept going for a while. I was was trying to research this word and find out. It was like spelled a few different ways. So I was trying to figure it out. But that it just seemed like they kind of kept that for a long time. It seems like you could trace it to like the Victorians and hysteria. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. All right. So to wrap this up, the plague dealt massive damage to Athens two years into the Peloponnesian War from which it never recovered. Their political strength had weakened and the morale among their armies as well as the citizens had fallen significantly. And Athens would then go on to be defeated by Sparta and fall from being a major superpower in ancient Greece. Yikes. Yeah. Sparta. Oh, they won because of a plague. Yeah. Kind of. They did. I know. But it sounds like like the Athenians were kind of dicks, so. Yeah. Fair enough. But they didn't, um, when that Pericles leader, when he died, they just didn't have anyone else really that like stepped up and was a strong leader. So that, I think that was like a huge reason that they lost their war too. Interesting. And the mm-hmm. ruler of vaginas just kept all women away from it. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> what a title. I know. Excellent. Well, that was a good one. Yeah. Cause I don't, I didn't know much about that. I mean, Plagues are not my specialty. I don't have like a crazy glut of information on a ton of them. I actually stayed away from the one that most of us know more about. So I didn't do smallpox Mm -hmm. because I feel like we learn about that one in school. Most of us do, at least. I mean, we learn about the Black Plague too, but that's if you don't talk about that. Yeah. Why are you even doing this? (laughs) So uh, my next one is the Spanish flu of 1918. Okay. Which is, I'm going to get you your date in a minute, which is... um, it's something that's really relevant now because a lot of the stuff that happened during this echoes our current state of affairs. So before we get into that, Leslie, tell us something that happened in 1918. Okay. Well, they, these were some fun ones because all the other years were way too old. So <laughs> That's what I figured. But this one, I knew we'd have something. Because the other ones were just like Black Plague or... <laughs> that happened every day, all year. <laughs> That's all that happened. That's it. Sorry. <laughs> so in 1918, the Timberland Shoe Company was founded. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Who knew? So old. God Bless America was written. Ofa Mae Johnson became the first woman allowed to join the U.S. Marine Corps. All right. Yes, our girl. We love her. The United States Congress officially established time zones. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 
The geographic center of the United States was determined by balancing a cardboard cutout shaped of the U.S. on a point near Lebanon, Kansas, and it was accurate to within 20 miles. Oh. Yeah. What a weird thing to decide to do. I know. <laughs> just just cut it out. We're just going to draw it. And then... Listen. Yeah. Put out a cardboard cutout of the United States on a pencil, and let's put it near Kansas and see what happens. We don't have time to get real serious about this. <laughs> yeah. Don't get any actual instruments. Just get some weird shit. Let's go. Yeah. We, we do not have that long of a ruler. <laughs> so... <laughs> We're just going to have to guess here. They made it work. Good for them. They did. Within 20 miles. Pretty good. That's not bad. That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. So in 1918, Mm -hmm. pink was for boys because it's a stronger color and the more delicate blue was reserved for girls. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Huh. Pink is a power color. It is. I'll stand by that. 654 sheep were killed by forked lightning when it struck a mountain in Wichita National Park, Utah. Oh. On July 18th, 1918. Poor sheep. You know, that's uh, so many. That must have been terrifying. They're like, <laughs> One lightning, kill all the sheep. That's yeah. terrible. I know. Ugh. You imagine, I was just imagining like some wolves coming up to them to try to, like, attack and be like, oh, there's too many of them. And then just this lightning bolt happens. They're like, oh, shit. (laughs) Thanks. This was cool. Over 100 waiters were arrested for poisoning bad tippers in Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) And there was a guy named Mickey Finn who was one of these people. Oh. And that's where they think they got. Yes. Slipping someone a Mickey was named after. Because they called him Mickey Finn, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is fun. That's him. That was from that. And the last one I have. Okay. In 19, so in 1915, Cecile, Sh- <laughs> Cecile Chubb. <laughs> oh, girl. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Ready? In 1915, Cecile Chubb bought Stonehenge. As a gift for his wife. He bought Stonehenge? And she didn't like it. Okay. So he donated it back to the nation in 1918. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, oh, get this ugly thing out of my name. <laughs> I don't like all this history you bought me. Fuck this. God, it's, I asked for a stone, not like this. <laughs> Couldn't you have least, at least gotten me like Easter Island? I hate it. God, this is the worst. It's so gloomy and weird shit happens here. <laughs> Ew, I hate that wife. I know. <laughs> I would be like, yes, give me Stonehenge. Yes. I know, I'd be doing like fake rituals there all the time. They'd be hanging me oh, as yeah, a witch yeah, yeah. real fast. <laughs> <laughs> Every episode of this has features Leslie and why she would be hung as a hanged for being a witch. <laughs> There are so many reasons. Where are your little pendants full of herbs? I I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. All right. Maybe you got to find them. So are we ready to talk about the Spanish flu of 1918? Yes. Tell me about it. And I'm going to get around to why it's shitty that they call it the Spanish flu. Because it is. It sucks. But that is what it is widely known as, which is why I am using that. Spanish flu was a deadly influenza outbreak that lasted from January 1918 to to December of 1920. It infected 500 million people, about a quarter of the world's population at the time. 
The death toll was anywhere from 17 to 50 million people, possibly as high as 100 million people. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, This is one of the deadliest pandemics in human history, yet somehow I had never really heard of it until the Mutter Museum opened their exhibit on spit uh, called Spit Spreads Death. I didn't even know it existed. Yeah. Which is kind of frightening because it was one of the most prolific killers. I mean, we learned about it in school. I didn't. I absolutely didn't, which is crazy to me. Yeah, that is that is crazy. Right? So the Spanish flu is one of two outbreaks of the H1N1 virus, which is the same virus as the swine flu and the bird flu. So most of us will remember in our lifetime those coming back around, though not in as kind of widespread of a panic as this one was. Um, The rapid pace and high mortality rate of this pandemic was due to overcrowded hospitals, lack of sanitary conditions, and malnourished patients because all of this happened in the aftermath of World War I. And a lot of the affected, uh, well, a lot of it started with affected soldiers. This is basically a perfect home for a deadly virus to incubate. Just field hospitals full of people who are in a very compromised state and they're all really close to each other and there's not a lot of hygiene. So it kind of exploded. This pandemic actually began in 1917. The first reports of hospitals overrun with patients exhibiting symptoms were in France and England. However, to maintain morale during World War I, the death toll of this flu in Germany, the United Kingdom, France, and the United States was not allowed to be reported by the press for fear of destroying, destroying morale. The press was, however, free to report incidences of deaths and illness in Spain. Huh. So basically, people only heard about it happening in Spain. And so they assumed that's where it started and they called it the Spanish flu. Yeah, pretty rough. We love to name flus, especially where we think they may come from. While this particular outbreak of the illness is traditionally traditionally called the Spanish flu, that doesn't mean it should be. The Spanish people are no more to blame for it than the people of London were for the plague. Sickness happens. No one wants it and no one wants to spread it, but it happens even when we are watching, as is evident today. Humanity used a lot less than acceptable labeling words in its past. We've said some really terrible things about people, but that does not mean that we don't learn from our mistakes. It was okay then, but that does not mean that it's okay now. So we need to stop calling COVID-19 the Chinese flu. Okay? (laughs) It's shitty to do as much. It's shitty. I'll get off my soapbox now, but like, come on, people. Just because they did it then then doesn't mean that it's cool to do it now. Anyway, (laughs) I said my thing. You tell him, Holly. (laughs) You tell him. You know, I had to for a minute. That's mean, Mm -hmm. and I don't like it at all. Philadelphia actually had the highest death rate of any major American city. 12,000 people died in six weeks, and 20,000 people died in the span of six months, just just in the confines of Philadelphia. Wow. Um, I mentioned before, go see the Mutters um, exhibit when it opens back up called Spit Spreads Death because it has um, a ton of information about this particular pandemic and um, more than I could ever cover in a couple minutes of time or whatever. And they chronicle how this illness spread with lightning speed due to just ignorance of what was going on and the lack in sanitary conditions. Nobody knew how much the disease was spreading. Nobody knew how many people were dying. They didn't realize how careful they should be. And so they weren't at all. It was common for people to um, spit back then, like on the ground. People also like spat in drinking fountains. They had to start like putting signs above them. Yeah, that said like stop 
spitting in the fucking drinking fountain because <laughs> it's dirty. There's also kind of an just an element of optimistic ignorance. Philadelphia still held their St. Patrick's Day parade at that point in time, and oh. tons of people were infected at it. Oh my gosh! Thankfully. Recently, all of ours were canceled, and and while it's sad and it sucks, like, it probably saved a lot of lives. Yeah, for sure. So President Woodrow Wilson never made a single public statement about this uh, this pandemic. He never said anything about the flu. And that's a contributing factor. There was no driving force or authority figure telling America, at least, like, here's what you need to do. Here's how to protect yourself. They just kind of let it happen. Yeah. And because this was all in the wake of World War One, the same thing happened in a lot of other countries. They just didn't, they didn't want to admit to it. They didn't want to take responsibility for it. And so it just spread like wildfire. And that's why it killed so many people. Also, um, the flu at the time was being treated with aspirin. But doctors really didn't know a whole lot about how to prescribe aspirin. And they would give patients 30 times what we now know to be the therapeutic dose. Right. So a lot of patients actually died of aspirin poisoning Mm -hmm. and not the virus itself. Yeah. Especially soldiers, because that was done a lot in field hospitals. Okay. Keeping the public in the dark about possible preventative measures and the gravity of this disease is 100% what caused the disastrous results of it. This is pretty timely to talk about this, I think, because our... Mm -hmm. Not going to get super political, but our current administration could really learn from that. Like, yeah. Well, it's funny because I feel like the Spanish flu, they didn't say anything, but now I feel mm-hmm. like they're saying too much, just wrong thing. They like they, I don't know if they'd be better. Yeah. I don't know what's better. <laughs> I mean, but we have our, we have like a better well, state government, I think, that's trying to take charge. Oh, I, our governor, like we, again, we live in New Jersey and I feel like our governor is taking care of us and mm-hmm. New York's governor is taking care of them. Mm-hmm. I can't really speak to everybody else, but I just feel that <laughs> without getting crazy political, I don't. I don't feel that our president is taking serious enough, a serious enough stance on this. It's the same thing. He's saying like, oh yeah, we're going to be fine in like a couple weeks. Don't worry about it. Right. When scientists can't even tell you what it's going to be. They can't. And, And historically, we can look back to this specific pandemic wherein keeping people uninformed caused so crazy many deaths. Yeah. It was, the magnitude of it was preventable simply by providing information. And they just didn't. Yeah. So uh, stay informed, guys. Like, don't go nuts. Don't panic. Don't hoard toilet paper and speculate that the scope of this is beyond where it is. But, like, listen, stay home. Yeah, please. (laughs) Don't go to parties. Please don't go to parties. Stop coming to your beach house, for the love of God. Well, they just closed the beaches and the promenade. I saw. Well, just in Cape May, though. Oh, yeah. Which is fine because, honestly, like, the beach by my house is a nature preserve. Nobody's ever on it. Oh, yeah. That's not a thing. Yeah. Oh. And I just found out that it was... I thought that it was. I guess I didn't just find out, but then now it's more airborne. Or now that it, it is airborne, so it's not just by droplets anymore. Well, that's traceable to every other plague we mentioned. Well, with mm-hmm. the exception of one we'll hit in the lightning round. But um, that's that's how the Black Plague spread. It became, it was droplets. And first it was flea bites, it was droplets, and then it was airborne. The same with the Spanish flu. History will tell you what to do. And if you choose not to listen, 
there's nothing we can really do to help you. Yeah, so. All right, what's next on our docket? <laughs> Lightning round! Ooh, ooh. Pew, pew. So basically, we each have one at this point, because I didn't do a whole lot more because I got kind of inundated, that we just covered some quick facts on that we could kind of zip through. And then after we do our little lightning round, we'll try and mention the the few things that we didn't mention. Just talk about them. We may not have them well-researched, but we can give them a little nod. So would you like to go first in the lightning round? Uh, Okay. Go, go, go. So mine's about leprosy. Woo! We all know leprosy. Yeah. So leprosy, growing up in Catholic school, was the most terrifying thing to me. I, like, that's one of those things that I thought I was going to see more of and, like, had to be careful. Like, every time I went to a hospital or something, like, helping, like... Like when John Mulaney talks about quicksand. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Because that was also something that I thought I was going to see a lot more of. (laughs) Told you. That's what John Mulaney says. We all should have been... We all thought we were going to be encountering quicksand a lot more. (laughs) Yeah. So, leprosy was one of those for me. Yikes. Um, (laughs) I didn't have that perspective. So, this is very unique and I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Yeah. And also, so what I'm going to say is like, it changes my entire childhood because I feel like I was lied to about what leprosy was. Okay. Or at least what I remembered. I was probably too scared to listen to the teacher. <laughs> I mean, I think that we all have a very specific image of it being a thing that makes people's limbs fall off and they are like limping around in the street and it's terrifying. Yeah. And they look like Gollum underneath like yeah, little- Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they like try to touch you and it's yeah, scary they're like, Let and you have to run away. You. Yeah, that was, <laughs> exactly. oh my gosh. Yeah. That's the thing I remember the most. Just people like, and I, oh yeah, it just scared me. Okay. <laughs> But we all have that kind of ghoulish image of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So leprosy may, um, well, like you just said, it may conjure up images of lost limbs and isolated colonies, but the disease is actually much less extreme and completely treatable today. Thank goodness. Yes. So the modern name of leprosy is Hansen's disease. Mm Mbop. Mbop. Yeah. (laughs) Leprosy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's caused by um, the bacterium, microbacterium leprae. Mm. The disease causes skin lesions and can permanently damage a person's nerves. However, it is a misconception that it causes people's body parts to fall off. <gasps> that just rocked my world. Right? That's the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <sighs> okay. I so, think it was, I'll, I'll get there later. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> So typically between 150 and 200 cases are reported each year today. Yikes. So it still happens. Um, like the plague. Yeah, but it's treatable. It's it's very treatable. Um, one reason that leprosy cases may be more common in certain parts of the country has to do with certain critters that live in those areas like little armadillos. They have Aww. they have it, yeah. But I think they're Ugh. the only they're the only animal. So that's how it could be passed from animal to human. Like freaking pangolins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Oh. Um, let's see. Most people are immune to it, so that's good. Really? Yeah. So this is like what I thought, um, like Mother Teresa, she used to hang out with the lepers all the time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I wondered if she was just immune to it. Maybe she was. We don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a leprosy island that was, <laughs> yeah. That makes it sound like a resort. Leprosy Island. 
I know. Well, so it kind of is now because so there used to be an island that we used to send people like lepers to. Which is what you hear, like leper colonies, like they sent them off to live together. Yeah, and they 100% did that and they did it fairly recently, like it just ended, like not that long wow. ago. Wow. People with leprosy once um, were sent to live on Hawaii's Kalaupapa Peninsula. They Well, at least they were in Hawaii. Yeah. So they would live there from 1866 to 1969. Wow, that's so current. Mm -hmm. But today the area is just a national park. People are allowed to leave because it's like treatable. Like they can, you know, it's not that severe anymore. Wow, 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 wow. They don't have to be isolated. Um, So a lot of people actually still live there because that just became their home. I mean, it's probably pretty nice. It's probably beautiful, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I wish I got leprosy. It could be a lot worse. Yeah. So although leprosy is mentioned in the Bible, this is where this like rocks my world. Okay. So um, it's obviously talked in the Bible. The references do not appear to be described as the same disease people experience today. So rather the word leprosy in the Bible appears to have been translated from a Hebrew word that referred to general uncleanliness and could be applied to people's clothing or even the buildings. Oh. Um, yeah, so really it didn't have to do with, like, Hansen's disease. Bizarre. Yeah. So when they refer to lepers, it was just dirty people? Yeah, and then that's where I keep, because <laughs> I, I keep imagining them, like, with those, like... The, like, shroud on, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just keep thinking, like, oh, they probably were just dirty and smelly and just hungry. You know what I mean? Like, they probably were just creeping up on Jesus, like. Creeping Jesus. <laughs> that makes me very sad. That's awful. Yes. And they, and I mean, they do say that um, it could have, so it might be with that, but it also might reflect a wide range of other skin ailments that were going on at the time and not yeah. particularly Hansen's disease. Syphilis. Yeah. Sorry. Mm, gross. So that was that. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. That kind of like blew the top off of that for me. I really thought people's limbs were dropping off. I know. I thought I was just like, my God, like, mom, I can't go see these old people in these homes. I'm going to get leprosy. I'm going to be. Get yeah. out of here. Oh, my God. I was terrified of it. Does it ever cause that? It doesn't ever cause any kind of like limb necrosis or like a reason to. No. So. Amputate limbs. I thought that I wrote it That's down, bananas. but I don't think that I did. So okay. they said it's very treatable and it's just it's a bacterial infection. So they have an antibiotic for it. So. However, if you weren't treated, could it? cause that i guess so i guess it's it's gonna blow my mind if you can't lose an arm to leprosy (laughs) yeah that's i'm gonna i'm gonna look this up while you tell me your lightning round one google it right now because i it's it i can't even handle my life right now if leprosy doesn't cause you to lose anything all the pictures of it are people with missing fingers and weirdo eyes and an armadillo so we got that going on yike okay You Google, and I'm going to talk about yellow fever. Okay. Lightning round. Yellow fever, also called the yellow plague, and Bronze John. Ooh, Bronze. Bronze John. That's like a snappy name for it. Sounds like a basketball name. Sounds like a freaking Philly-ass moment in time. But it's spelled John like the name, not John. John. Um, It's spread by the bite of a female-infected mosquito. It affects humans and primates, so this is one of those cross-species diseases. The incubation period is six days. It's mostly mild. Mostly it just makes you sick to your stomach and have a fever and stuff, but it can be toxic. And in the past, it resulted in a lot more toxic cases. Now, if you get the toxic form, 
recurring yellow fever. Uh, it causes jaundice due to liver damage, and it causes which causes you to turn yellow, which is why they call it yellow fever. It also can cause bleeding from the mouth, nose, eyes, and gastrointestinal tract. So you just bleed all over the place. The most uh, infamous historical symptom is black vomit, which is you just are throwing up old blood. But people didn't realize that a long time ago. They're like, ah, black stuff. I mean, it's it's not less scary, but that's what it is. <laughs> Once the jaundice phase hits, survival um, plummets to about 50%. So if you hit the bronze jaw phase, you're done for. <laughs> it began in Africa and is still mostly prevalent there. However, there was a major, there were several major outbreaks in the United States, specifically in Philadelphia in 1793, at which point Philadelphia was the capital city of the United States. So there was like a mass exodus of the government at that time. We had to usher out all government professionals, including George Washington, and they had to flee to other places. More than 9% of the total population of the United States died. I'm sorry, that might have been Philadelphia. Not the whole United States, just Philadelphia, sorry. In 1878, 20,000 people died in the towns on the Mississippi Valley, on the Mississippi River Valley. There was another outbreak then. In 1858, there was an outbreak in New Orleans that killed nearly 8,000 residents, and there were several more large outbreaks in the United States. So that resulted in a lot of famous books about yellow fever um, that are taught in high schools today. So a lot of people um, will have read Fever 1793 by Laurie Hall Sanderson um, and The American Plague, The Untold Story of Yellow Fever, The Epidemic That Shaped Our History by Molly Caldwell Crosby. These are both like firsthand narratives. They're fictional, but of people like mired in that kind of epidemic. So if you're looking for some scary plague type reading, check those out. Um, Thankfully, we now have a vaccine for yellow fever, which has pretty much killed off outbreaks in the United States. It's very prevalent still in Africa and other countries. This is one of the vaccines where like if you travel to Africa, you have to get it. So okay, stay away from scary mosquitoes. And yellow fever made the government run away. There, did we find out about losing an arm to leprosy? I did. Okay. So oh, please I'm tell me. I'm actually still trying to find that specifically on here, but I can okay. tell you why I think that would still happen. Okay. Bring it on. Because, and yeah, because I forgot to write this part down. <laughs> like, okay. it's Guys, it's been a very tough has. few weeks it for has. everyone. We're homeschooling. Leslie's figuring out a lot of work management things. Like, Meh. Yeah, we're, we're, we're all going through it, so yeah, okay. bear with us. So one of the things that happens with leprosy is that not only do you get the disfiguring skin sores, but you do get nerve damage. So mm. that's going to cause, like, over time, if you're not treated for it, you're going to lose, you're going to have a bunch of nerve damage, you're not going to feel things, and then those body parts are just going to become limp and... Weird. Die, yeah. Yeah, all the pictures I saw are people that lost just, like, fingers. It's not like... Well, that's what... Yeah, it could go that low. So by that time, it just gets so bad if you don't get, like, your nerves checked out and things like that. That's why... Interesting. Yeah, that could be bad. So when you said, uh, I didn't... I wanted to cover a few other diseases this week, but it was just such a broad and enormous topic that we didn't have time. Maybe we'll revisit this at a later date because it was super interesting and there's definitely more to do. But one of them that I wanted to touch on was syphilis. And the interesting thing about you saying perhaps leprosy meant something else is that syphilis does cause you to lose things, specifically your nose. Yeah. A lot of people who were infected with syphilis uh, before we really knew how to treat it lost their nose. 
that was common. Right. Like Voldemort. Like, kind of like Voldemort. I mean, mm-hmm. it gave you like large rotting sores in a lot of places. People would lose part of their limbs or part of their downstairs parts. They would, mm-hmm. uh, your nose was the most frequent. And that's, I mean, they had a lot of words where they could, they made fake noses for people and stuff. Like that was the crazy thing that happened. It's just like the worst STD. <laughs> well, it is. And it's also, um, once it gets to a certain point, it affects your brain pretty mm-hmm. severely. Yeah. And it causes a lot of mental problems. Like we may cover Al Capone one day. Mm-hmm. If we do, he ended up with syphilis and his, the way he devolved from the brain damage is bananas. Yeah. In the end of his life, he was like fishing in a pool. Yeah. <laughs> there are so many pictures of him sitting on like a diving board with a fishing rod in his pajamas, just like fishing in a pool because of the amount of brain damage syphilis caused. So while it's not the same as leprosy, I think it also produces a lot of the symptoms people may have associated with it. Yeah. It was a very embarrassing disease to have. And it was all over the place. It was, Yeah. We'll give it its own day in the sun, Ugh. I'm sure. <laughs> I know. It's it's sad and gross and scary. Watch The Nick. They cover it on mm-hmm. that show. And that show is freaking amazing if you like old-timey medicine, which who doesn't? Who doesn't? So, who doesn't? <laughs> Not I. There are a bunch we didn't cover, obviously, because there's just so much information. But I think the major takeaway here is that information is our friend. Yep. Knowing what's going on is key. Like, just freaking leprosy. We didn't know what that was, and that's bananas. It's so It's been around for so long. Right. Know what you're talking about. I know. All they had to tell me is that, like, they just had to tell me that there was a cure for it and not to worry about it. <laughs> that's all they had to tell and me. it's nuts that you didn't hear that. And it's also nuts that every single one of us conjures up the exact same image mm-hmm. when you say that word, and it's wrong. Also, I'm pretty sure, like, I can remember my my religion books and mm-hmm. those like what we were describing is what was in those books. That's nuts to me, especially if it's not at all real. That's so crazy. Yeah. They had this information like 20 years ago, you know? <laughs> oh God. Yeah, for sure. So like stay informed, understand what you're being afraid of, understand what's going on in your world, follow the rules. And a lot of this stuff, I mean, going all the way back to the plague of Athens and the Black Death, if you stayed away from it and followed the rules and knew what was going on, you probably would be okay. Yeah. So, like, stay home, you guys. Just be safe. We love you all. Yeah, we love you, and we don't want anyone to get sick. But if you do get sick, we want you to get better Mm -hmm. and to keep yourself taken care of. Yeah. And thank you to all of our friends that work in the healthcare industry. We know it's a scary time to be alive right now. Yeah. Thank you. Y'all are fucking heroes. <sighs> I can't even imagine. Nope. So I, th- I, I think that's everything. <laughs> I don't really want to do one this week because it's too... I think we did it already. I already said one earlier. You did. Because it's... Uh, I don't want to be dead and it's too scary I right now. No, <laughs> It's too real. I said one and it was fine and I thought it was lighthearted. Yeah, Leslie said one earlier and it was really funny. Let's toast some people. Okay. Um, and then maybe while we're doing that, I'll think of a funny one. I want to toast to Mother Teresa for that's, not <laughs> that's giving a, a shit one. about leprosy. She gave zero fucks. Zero fucks. And I'd also like to toast Ofra Mae Johnson. Oh, yes. Good yeah, one. The first woman that joined the U.S. Marine Corps. I love her. So yes. che- cheers on my table. 
That's all I got <laughs> is the thump. And to Cola Di Rienzo, who was just like, I'm going to run this town. You guys can that- get it together. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to handle it. I really liked that story. Yeah. Hey, I'm in charge. <laughs> yep. I don't care what you say. I just yeah. oh, I'm not. All right, bye. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> and they ran him out of town. Like he couldn't live there anymore. <laughs> That's amazing. Guys, I tried so hard. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I oh, my stories are very hard to find someone to toast to. Well, I like the um I like the the doctors. Oh, plague doctors? Yeah. I, I mean, have they... a hard time toasting them because they were like misinformed people who are mostly in it for the money. Yeah, but <laughs> nobody else would go in there and they chose That's to. true. Doctors all gave up and they yeah. they kind of, all right, we can toast plague doctors. Their fashion was on point too. And they had awesome wands. <laughs> they did. Yeah. So cheers to super rad plague doctors. With their potions and things they probably smelled they were probably a delight a mixture of fine and not fine oh yeah probably or they or they smelt really delightful and like even though the people around them died they probably died peacefully because it was just a lot of lavender (laughs) (laughs) they're just like lavender was not one of the herbs they had (laughs) but if you were alive back then you would have helped them out with that yeah see why they had mostly lavender they had more like comf- camphor stuff that Which was like. Which is great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And stuff that That's was calming more too. like menthol that like would really block the smell more. Mm-hmm. So that, or like was very perfumey. Not lavender in my, what I read. No, probably more rose kind of. Yeah. Stronger scents, mm-hmm. geranium or that something. That makes sense. Also, um, oh, this is something I didn't mention because I figure most people know it at this point, but the, the rhyme Ring Around the Rosie is about. Yeah. The Black Plague, ring mm-hmm. around the rosy, pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. That's because a posy was a collection of flowers that you would hold under your nose mm-hmm. so that you would, would smell the flowers and not, you know, get death in you or whatever. And I think the ring around the rosy was a like a hint to the plague boils and plague rash, right? Um I didn't yeah, include this I, in my research, which I'm regretting. Um, and ashes was, of course, because they that's how they got rid of bodies. I'll fall down. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. Worst. Um, oh, God. And in regards to the the Spanish flu, that's a hard one, too. There were just so, so many things went wrong. I'm going to, like, put up my glass to uh, my favorite place in the world, the Mutter Museum, for that this week. Because I'm doing a lot to inform people about everything that happened then and how we should learn from from that time and from America's mistakes back then. And I really, really, really think that's a valuable lesson to learn right now. And, um... And there's resources online if you look at the Mutter's website, which I'll put a link on our socials so that you guys can check it out. There's some of their stuff online, some pictures, some fun, well, not fun, but some facts. If you want to learn more, please go there. Please support them. They're trying to help us. So cheers to the Mutter. Cheers. Thud. Thud. (laughs) Clink. And and we don't want anybody to be dead this week. Mm -mm. So we're just going to say stay safe, stay home, and we will see you on Friday. Yeah. At 10 p.m. For our next live event. Friday at 10 p.m. Come out and visit us on Facebook Live. Stay in and visit us. 
come out on the internet and this place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and we'll see you then. Follow um, follow us on all the socials, and um, don't forget to rate and review us because I, I know I'm a total broken record at this point, but it it helps so much. So yay, help okay. us help you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. Rate and review our show on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Would Be Dead Pod. And join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more. That sounds like the queen of vaginas. <laughs>